0: Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to The Ringer Podcast Network. Season two of HBO's Succession is back, and The Ringer's Chris Ryan and Jason Concepcion are here to give you the latest in Roy family drama. Every Sunday night, they'll be breaking down what we just saw on our new show called Number One Boys, a Succession After Show. You can tune in live on The Ringer's Twitter every Sunday night right after the episode ends.
1: Welcome to Why I Hate My Team. My name is Bobby Wagner. I am the producer of the Ringer MLB show. This feels like a silly intro because on the other line, I have the regular host of the Ringer MLB show, Michael Bowman. Hi, Mike. This is like seeing Wilson's face in the, the home improvement finale. We're through the looking glass. I have Mike here to talk about the Philadelphia Phillies, who he is, of course, a fan of as he spent much of his life in the great city of Philadelphia. We have that in common. But I wanted to bring you in because it feels like this is about time. I've been waiting. I had didn't want to push too far because the Phillies are having an okay season. But it feels like this is kind of the week where things flipped. I think in large part because of the streak that the Mets have been on and kind of how some of these other wildcard teams have been playing in the NL. And it seems like the Phillies' chances are starting to really f- slip away. Fangraphs has them at uh, just under 8% probability to make the playoffs, which is pretty low this far into the season. So... I think where it starts for me with the Phillies this year is probably their starting rotation. And then we can get into the bullpen a little bit. But I want to start there. For you, is this the cardinal sin of this team? That they just didn't bulk up on their starting rotation and they were hoping for good seasons from guys that haven't really proved that they can do that anymore?
2: It was a gamble. Um, Definitely. And yeah, I think there's the guys that they're relying on from Vince Velasquez to Nick Pavetta to... Uh, Zach Eflin, like all of them have given even Jared Eichhoff has somehow started 10 games this season. Um, all of them had given the Phillies reason at one point or another to be optimistic about them. But at the same time, that's like it was Nola and Arietta and just three total wild cards. And this is a, a club that ought to be spending $200 million a year on payroll that has uh, spent about half that the past three or four seasons as they've been on this rebuild. And that's, you know, that's fine. And they've invested uh, in the club, um, you know, with certainly signing Bryce Harper, signing David Robertson, Andrew McCutcheon. like, they're very active on the free agent market. So they did, they spent a little bit, but not so much that they couldn't have gone out and gotten a Dallas Keuchel or a Lance Lynn. And like, not even the, the Lance Lynn who ended up showing up in Texas, just like, who he was in St. Louis, just that solid number three starter would have made all the difference. That might literally be the difference between them making the playoffs and not this year. And so, yeah, it was a risk. Um, I just think it was an unnecessary one. I don't know how intentional this was, but in the literally the first answer that you gave on
1: this podcast, you now mentioned payroll and Lance Lynn. So your brand remains as strong as ever. Yeah, you don't. You could just cut off the introduction. That's, uh... <laughs> um. This rotation, a few years ago, I feel like it was a relatively hipster take when the Mets rotation was starting to rise to the forefront as like one of the best young rotations in the, in all of baseball. I feel like it was a bit of a hipster take for people to be like, well, look at this young Phillies rotation as well because it was Aaron Nola who was showing a lot of promise and actually turned into something amazing. He's, I think, a bona fide ace. Um, and then you mentioned Vince Velasquez, you mentioned Jared Eikhoff. Is it just that the player development on these guys failed what happened to these guys that were supposed to be the 2 through 4 level starters for this rotation of the future
2: i don't i don't know what hipsters you're hanging out with but like that's a that is a very uh, is like maybe that, a that deep a mlb take. twitter take Yeah, I don't know if if I necessarily think that there's, well, I know that I definitely don't think that there's any point at at which the Phillies rotation has looked better than the Mets. Never better, uh, but
1: just something to compete with, as I think a lot of people thought that the Mets might dominate this division for a little while, provided that the Nationals continued to choke, you know, with that young rotation coming up. And the Mets, in theory, should have been able to spend more money to supplement that.
2: Yeah, I, so Nola's obviously been awesome. Uh, he In a normal season, he could have won the Cy Young with the year he had last year if Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom both hadn't been historically great. Uh, he struggled a little bit to start the season. He's been much better as the, the year went on. Um, I have loved him since he was a sophomore at LSU, um, and he is way better than than I ever expected him to be. Uh, so like, that's the tough part done. And what they've done beyond that, you know, they get Arietta in to be the guy, um, you know, the number two or number three starter. And, you know, Arietta struggled with injuries. He's aged, he's not been as a um he's obviously not the Cy Young winner he was five years ago, but uh he's gotten a little bit older, but that's fine. He, you know, I think he's filled more or less filled the role that uh that the Phillies have needed him to when he's been healthy. And then so these other pitchers have just been incredibly risky. And so Jared Eikhoff was, uh, he, there was a, a point in time where he looked better than Nola. And like, yeah. he was not, he was not the, uh, the top, um, top piece that the Phillies got back from, from Texas, but he, for in the Cole Hamill Um, But he looked like a steal then. And so I think there's a lot of hype because just based on the fact that ver- I don't know if any of these other pitchers in the, uh, in the pipeline, apart from NOLA, have been Phillies draft picks. Like, they've all come back as part of trades for notable players. So, like, you want Eikhoff to be good because the Phillies gave up Cole Hamels to get him get him, and five other players. Vince Velasquez was in the uh, Ken Giles trade. Nick Pavetta was in the um, the Papelbon trade. Eflin uh, was in one of those trades with L.A. I think it was the, yeah, it was the Jimmy Rollins trade all the way back in, uh, in 2014. And so, like, you expect these these players to to come in and I don't know I, I think they've been built up as more more than what they were uh as prospects because of what the Phillies gave up to to get them like this this is the this is what they rebuilt for um and Velasquez and ikoff I think are the only ones who you know Eflin has been good at at times Favetta's been good at times uh but it, like they've shown flashes, but, but like Icoff was incredible in, in 2015, 2016. Velasquez had that, I think it was a 16 strikeout game, um, his rookie year. And like these guys, they looked at, at one point or another like the goods. And Icoff just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Velasquez has had, a, you know, a pretty predictable set of problems just based on his command, his durability. Um, you know, this is not a shock that this is that Nola is the only one of these guys who's panned out. Uh, you know, maybe you throw Sir Anthony Dominguez in there. Um, but like this was not unforeseeable that the rotation would be Nola Arietta, and now Arietta's out for the, the year with the, the bone spur in his elbow. Mm-hmm. Um so it's you know, Nola and Drew Smiley and three other guys that they pulled off the street. Yeah, you know, this Vargas. is this is a huge weakness. Yeah, and you know, it's this is a huge weakness, and it was not uh, something they couldn't have, have foreseen. And that's different from the bullpen, which they really did pull, pull, uh, pour a lot of resources into, and just everybody got hurt. And maybe yeah. there's something systemic about what the Phillies are doing in terms of player development, or, um, or conditioning, or or uh, uh, training, or you know the the medical staff or whatever. Um, that I don't know enough about to to speak on uh, with any sort of knowledge, but failing something like that the bullpen was bad luck the ro- the bullpen collapse was bad luck the rotation collapse was bad planning
1: so the Phillies have amassed the third fewest war from a rotation standpoint um out of any team in MLB this season and they have amassed the uh fifth worst amount of war from their bullpen and it, they're actually in the negative for <laughs> war from their bullpen this year I guess my question about the bullpen is they did invest a lot of money into it in this offseason. And obviously, I, I think David Robertson is a, a really good signing. He was has been generally pretty incredible
2: when he has not been hurt. Um, and durable and reliable, too, which is un, like that's why he was worth going out and spending the money on. Exactly. Which...
1: So are you just fine with running that, that part of the team back? I mean, you said that that was more or less bad luck and the starting rotation was
2: bad planning. I mean, obviously, they're gonna. You can never have enough pitching. Um, you know, I think I got to look at who's going to be a, a free agent um, next year. Like Juan Nicasio is going to. So Nicasio is going to be a free agent. Tommy Hunter is going to be a free agent. Uh, not that you would really know that he was on the team this year. So like, there's a core of Robertson's under is signed. Uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez. Um, you know, depending on on what his uh, like, he's not getting. Tommy John with a with a damaged UCL but like that's just going to be hanging over him even if he doesn't. Um Adam Morgan's been good when he's been healthy. You know, they've got pieces. It's not like an entire bullpen anymore just because some of the older guys that they, they had relied on to to pitch like innings 5, 6 and 7 are all going to be free agents. But those guys you can go you can go pick up. Um you know those they I think like Hector Neris and, and Dominguez, uh Morgan and Robertson, like if that's the back four, that you can live with that. Um, you know, obviously, uh, I'm of the mind that you can never have enough pitching. So I'll just, you know, go out and, and uh, continue to to get hard throwing relievers and and I think this year is uh is all the proof you need that there's no such thing as as having too much pitching with which I think I've said four times in a row, but like that's talking about the Phillies, this is this is what I keep coming back to that they Um, have no pitching. (laughs) Yeah. And so like the, the bullpen it's frustrating. I think the bullpen is like on one level, it's the least important um, uh, squad or or phase of the game uh, as opposed to starting pitching or our position players. But it's the most frustrating when it goes badly, but like, I'm not that pissed about that. Like to a certain extent, how are they to know that this is going to be the one time David Robertson's not going to you know throw 60 innings with a 180 ERA, like mm-hmm. the first time in 10 years that hasn't happened. Um, and it's just been one thing like that after another. So I, uh, I think just they can't be worse in the bullpen, even if they bring back most of the core. But I think this really proves that you just can't sit around and wait for Nick Pavetta to turn into a number two starter. It's just uh, not going to happen at this point. So let's
1: switch to the other side of the ball then. Uh, I remember pretty early on in the season, the Phillies were looking pretty good, and uh, I think their lineup was kind of like the cornerstone of their team. Um, You kind of described it as like a little bit of a Congo line, and maybe you got a little bit ahead of yourself. Um, Well, it
2: looked like that for about a week. Like, this is the last time we talked about that. So
1: Exactly, and now they are 22nd in the league in WRC+. They're below average 90 for their team WRC+, this year. you know it's a lot of it's a combination of a lot of things with a lot of players not not playing up to what they can be and as well as like injuries and i think the big headliner and the narrative version of this story is they poured a lot of money into a Bryce Harper contract and he's going to be here for 13 years and a lot of people were really critical of it during the offseason and it inspired a lot of really hot takes that have kind of faded away now but i want to have that conversation with you i think it's time to have the Bryce conversation so Craig Edwards wrote for Fangraphs at the beginning of the year. I think this was well before Bryce actually signed with the team, um, basically ignoring his MVP season. And a lot of people have done this. It's a really good article, um, and it basically the too long didn't read is like he's just good, not great. Um, do you think that he can ever get back to that 2015 form? And does it will it make an appreciable difference on the team next year if he can? Because this lineup is going to be need to be the thing that's carrying them because we're going to talk about in a second what they can do to kind of help the rotation. But it, it's not like they're going to build a Astros-caliber rotation in one offseason. So the lineup is going to need to be the the stronger half of the team for the foreseeable future. Um, is he a big enough part of that that if he just suddenly turns back into MVP Bryce that it will be that much of a boon to the club? Or are they going to need to do something else?
2: Um... I think it's very easy, and I'd say this as someone who has great respect for Craig Edwards as an analyst. It's easy to make whatever argument uh, you want to if you cherry pick the data. Um, But with that said, it's not like I don't expect him to turn back into MVP Bryce because MVP Bryce was like had like one of the best non Barry Bonds, non Mike Trout seasons of my lifetime, Mm -hmm. maybe the best. And so, no, I don't expect. Uh, I don't expect anybody to have a 198 OPS plus. Um, you know, I think what how I'd evaluate him this year is uh, the entire lineup. Essentially, you know, they kept Caesar Hernandez and and Reese Hoskins and uh, held them over from last year's uh, last year's team, and essentially, like instead of Hoskins being the best hitter on the team and Hernandez being the second best hitter on the team, Hoskins is now at least when everybody's healthy, like, the second-best hitter on the team, and Hernandez is, like, the sixth-best hitter on the team. And, like, you see the the amount of firepower they brought in was huge, and it was on display very early in the season. And now everybody's just, like, 15% worse than, uh, than they're supposed to be. And it's just been, you know, it's— I think Harper's easy to single out because of the paycheck, although I will say that, like— um what he's making the the 27 and a half million dollars he's going to make uh for the next few years uh like that's not a ton of money like it is a, it's, it's a lot of a money prohibitive
1: amount of money no, in terms like, of spending yeah. for the rest and, of your team
2: and i guess like you didn't bring up the contract so but like i the contract is fine I, and even though even disappointing bryce or even though uh, even disappointing bryce still uh is getting on base at a 370 rate uh you know he's still doing a lot of the the little things well he's played a lot better defense this year than than he has last year you know this is not he's he hasn't played like a franchise player um but i have confidence in him to to bounce back the other thing is like you know he's still only 26 and uh that's i, I don't think that you know i don't say that to mean like he's going to keep improving but like the decline is still a ways off yeah. um so this has been a write off year uh, for pretty much everybody. And you talk about injuries, like Andrew McCutcheon has been, uh, was a huge part of that lineup. Like that knock-on effect from removing him from the lineup when he blew out his knee was huge. And you feel that all the way down the chain. But like Rio mudo has been um, been disappointing. Reese Hoskins has struggled on it off. Gene Segura is having his worst season in uh, several years. And like, he's been one of those really consistent performers. And so just like, nothing has really worked and either that's bad luck or that's something to do with the the major league coaching staff. Um so I I tire of the Bryce Harper conversation. Uh, <laughs> I as, feel like as you want to frame it.
1: I feel like it's a uh, it hasn't happened as much as I maybe expected it to this year. I feel like we've talked less about Bryce than I might have projected that we would have heading into the season and maybe that's just because the Phillies haven't been as good and aren't in that division race or aren't really in that playoff race, which all of this is crazy to say, because like if they get hot, they are just as much in the wild card, mm-hmm. if not more than the Mets right now, um, who just lost Jeff McNeil to the 10 day IL with uh, a hamstring pull, which can be a finicky in- injury. And he's a very important to that team. So it's all relative in terms of like wh- how what we should panic
2: about, but yeah, he's been like, he's been a little disappointing, but like, he hasn't been what's killing them, you know, and I think that's obvious enough that even like you look at some of the lineups, the, the just complete lack of depth at center field, the them bring you know, I taking, think that's a uh, real Adam, indictment. Yeah, yeah, like this is I you know at least from the the Phillies fans that that I talk to, like I I don't think anybody's like happy with the the way Bryce Harper's hit this year, uh, but they're going after Gabe Kapler and Matt Clentak first. And, uh, it, you know, that's, that's where all the ire's going. And I think, you know, deservedly so, frankly, just there you know, some, some of the injury problems, maybe you couldn't foresee, but like, they're not getting the most out of these players who have been awesome everywhere else. And, uh, to say nothing of the, the lack of, uh, lack of depth in the rotation. So it's, you know, I, I think there's just better places right now to direct the blame. And, you know, if we come back here and and they strengthen the rotation and uh, Segura starts hitting the way he did and and Hoskins, uh, you know, turns back into a 35 home run guy and Real Muto, uh, you know, gets back to the level he was hitting at in Miami um, and Harper is still doing this and there's still a couple games out of the playoffs, then, you know, then we have this conversation next year. But sure. I think if all those things, you know, if all those things weren't also happening, then the Philly then like you wouldn't be having me on here to talk about how much I hate the team you know we would be talking on the main show about how they're going to win the the division
1: right I think not having any backup plan in the outfield in general when you know that you're relying on mid-30s Andrew McCutcheon who's been on a decline for a while and he's still a very good very serviceable player he's still great to have around for the team I'm jealous of the fact that he was signed to the Phillies um, and I'm no longer allowed to root for him but I think that when your backup plan is basically nothing and the outfield is really only staffed with just Bryce Harper and he's not even playing that well, I think then it becomes part of a larger picture.
2: Um, And I think, I think it gets a lot worse. Like if Adam Hazley hadn't like they rushed Hazley to the majors and he's been a lot better than expected Scott Kingery, who was terrible last year has saved their asses. Um, They wouldn't even be this close to the, uh, to the playoffs if he hadn't been. And he's taken a step back since the all-star break, but uh, yeah, Like he's really helped carry that team and keep them afloat.
1: All right, let's wrap up here. I'm going to read you a list of free agent starters in the 2019-20 class, Um, and you tell me if any of them pique your interest as someone that the Phillies should and or could target: Garrett Cole, Madison Bumgarner, Zach Wheeler, Steven Strasburg, if he opts out, Rick Porcello, Jake Odorizzi, and Alex Wood. So there's a real steep drop off. I think Mm -hmm. after uh, after the Wheeler types, Um, are any of those people? starters that you think the Phillies would open the checkbook for? Is it time for them to really start investing in the rotation long term? Or do you think I mean there's not really a lot of help coming from the miners. So it's really just gamble again and hope that 2019 doesn't repeat itself or get one of these guys? And if it is one of these guys, which one is it?
2: Uh well, yeah, as far as help coming, like Spencer Howard's really good. I don't know if he's gonna be like ready to come up and, and contribute and like to count on him you know to the point where that impacts the off-season uh off-season plans and apart from that like particularly after they trade away Sixto Sanchez like it's there's not a whole lot else that's really coming uh at least on the on the pitcher side um so you have to go out and get external help and it depends on what you want like i think like it's been really easy to find bargains on the you know sort of for mid-tier starting pitchers and honestly like for want of an app av- like three average starting pitchers like that's they didn't like they didn't need a garrett cole and we could like we could talk about garrett cole um I'd love they didn't to talk need about a guy Garrett like that. Cole. that my favorite
1: starter to talk about
2: they needed like a you know or a strasburg even who's been awesome like good enough that he might opt out and uh you know they don't need one of those I it would be awesome if they got one of those guys i think that both of them would be worth um really opening up the checkbook for, but like they just needed competent starting pitching and didn't get it. So I, I hope that they will, you know, stop. I, I definitely don't think they can sell the plan that they used, whether they still believe it themselves is uh, another thing. I just, you know, don't think that I know I don't believe in, in that crop of young pitchers anymore. I don't think the fans do. I don't think the local media really does. Um, But like just competent starting pitching behind Nola. Cause like they've got the ACE already and that's yeah. the tough part. Um now with that said, like guys that I would want to pursue, like each one has his own I guess Cole is the only one without like something that that would give me pause. Um and they've you know they kept that that financial avenue open. They're not spending the luxury tax. Um so like they could go out and I don't know, I would I would do whatever it takes to to get Garrett Cole if he hits free agency and the Phillies uh end this season looking most of the way they, they do now. Like, you know, the drill tweet about like, you know, uh, working at the Bet- Betsy Ross house, you know, another day working at the Bet- Betsy Ross house. Uh, people keep asking me if, if I, uh, if they can fuck the flag, <laughs> buddy, they won't even let me fuck the flag. Like I would tell, you know, call up Garrett Cole, if I were Matt Glentac and I would say, you know, Here's thirty million dollars a year, and you can go to the Betsy Ross house and fuck, fuck the, flag the flag if you want yeah. <laughs> to. Like that's maybe that's a shorthand that we should use going forward on the show for uh for like Philly's uh player targets. Like if this is a, a fuck the flag uh quality uh player. But I think he's just got like he the the combination of like dominance and durability, uh he's I I say as Garrett Cole was scratched from his start last night. Um, but he like he's as close to perfect as uh, a pitcher is going to get on this this free agent market, he's, and he's the best pitcher in
1: baseball. Um, I'm patiently awaiting all of the off season stories where it's like uh, the Phillies have offered Garrett Cole, however, ten, how many tens of millions and uh, lifetime of free cheesesteaks. Like you know, you're going to get that fluff piece from some national media outlet that they in the in the Kawhi vein, he can eat for free, Kawhi and dine.
2: Yeah, I don't know if. Uh... I don't know which uh, cheesesteak emporium would be the one to, to offer that to him. I'm sure That's that a, they would have multiple competing offers. Yeah. We'll see. Um, yeah. I mean, this is not like trenchant analysis, you know, that, they that should sign you know, Garrett team, Cole. team X should go out and sign <laughs> Garrett Cole. Like, yeah. So, so should all, you know, every team in, you know, all, all 29 other major league baseball, uh, teams plus a couple more in Japan, you know, yeah. like it, Yeah, what I'm interested in is to. So this comes back to for me, it comes back to uh, the front office and and the coaching staff because, like, they went uh, they went all in on the like pandering to people who read fan graphs in 2014. Yeah, you know, and uh, what the like there are numerous off the field reasons I think why uh, the time to move on from Gabe Gabe Kapler has come and gone, Um, but. Like what I was interested in from him as a field manager is what happens when plan A doesn't work? Like how willing are they to adjust what's going on to react to to situations in a way that maybe isn't like totally rational, but like that's sort of the job. And it's been very disappointing to as a Phillies fan to, to see that, um, to see the lack of that reaction. Because I think there's been a lot of like, you know, this is such a, I'm going to say it like there's been like a trust the process vibe and like the process <laughs> at this point is not working, you know, yeah. like I don't trust the process anymore here. So, and it's, frankly, uh, neither
1: do a lot of other people because there are numerous Philadelphia fans on staff. It's been much talked about and much complained about, especially yeah, as it relates to the Sixers. And I tried to talk to
2: a few of them and they were like, sorry, I haven't followed the Phillies since 2012. So, yeah, uh, I mean... You think that the past ten minutes has been colorful with me on the podcast? Imagine if you had gotten Tyler Tynes on here to talk about the uh, the, Phillies. the shortcomings um, of
1: Gabe Kapler as a manager. Yeah,
2: yeah, um, yeah. I just I've been disappointed to have my fears sort of confirmed. Um, sure. And I was I think I was a lot more like we like Chris Ryan and I did a podcast segment on on Kapler like that first week where he who do, he took out Nola for. Hobie Milner or something and, yeah. and Milner immediately like this is literally his first game and so like the, the wheels came off and like I was willing to be a lot more patient I think than than a lot of other people who didn't like that hire at the time Um, but yeah it's my my patience is running thin right now
1: so if the Phillies go out this offseason they get rid of Gabe Kapler bring in some other player manager or analytics manager and then they sign garrett cole i don't give a shit
2: if he's analytics
1: it doesn't matter if they do this and and they bring in a competent manager and they sign garrett cole you're gonna need to come check on me frankly because i will be freaking out i do not want to see all six foot four of garrett cole in a Phillies uniform his terminator self i'm not in on that idea in any way shape
2: or form i am actually like thinking about it i don't think he'd look good in a Phillies uniform. And that's all that know, really I'm, matters. You wouldn't buy this really jersey. Sure that,
1: you'd keep your UCLA Garrett Cole jersey instead of your Phillies one.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't I I think I only need one Garrett Cole jersey. I also haven't I guess I bought the the Brad Boxberger player's weekend jersey last year, but like I you know, I'm not not really a jersey guy anymore. I'm in my 30s, you know? Like that's I think that we'll just
1: about do it for uh, Phillies analysis for a team that may or may not make the playoffs this year but I'm hoping to have to bring you back next year to do the same thing because I'm hoping that the Phillies will not be in better situation next year selfishly Mike thanks for coming on and doing this
2: All right, yeah it's uh, it hasn't been a pleasure but like you know (laughs) that's how I want people to leave feeling it's been an obligation Bobby
1: All right. Thanks again to Michael Bauman for coming on and talking deep, deep, deep details about the Philadelphia Phillies organization more than I could prepare for. Um, I have Meg Schuster, Catatonic, Minnesota Twins fan Meg Schuster here with me in studio. Hi, Meg.
0: Hi. Catatonic is a great way to describe me right now. So excellent word choice. There. Off to
1: a good start. Yes. Okay. Let's start here. I uh, I have a bit of a take and I want you to tell me if you agree with this. Oh, great. The Twins are actually an incredible baseball team. They have like one of the best run differentials in baseball. They have an incredible lineup that's setting all types of records, maybe the the all-time record for home runs by a team this year. Um, They have an ace, Jose Barrios, who is just a joy to watch. Mm -hmm. And uh, the only issue here is that the Indians remember that they were supposed to be one of the best teams in baseball for the last three years since the World Series that they didn't capitalize on. And now we have a two-team division race, which is like as a baseball fan, what more could you want? I mean, I know it's not ideal because your <laughs> team is the one losing. It's the It's the
0: exact opposite of what I personally want, but I understand where you are. But coming they're seventy-two
1: from. and forty-eight. You know, as a, as a fan of a team that's right around hovering right around five hundred, how much do you have to complain about? So, do you do you categorically disagree with my take there?
0: No, no, I wholeheartedly agree with your take, actually, which has made this season um such a mind f. I will say that. Uh, all of the roster overhaul that the Twins did this offseason led me to believe that this would be sort of yet another mediocre year in a string of mediocre years, which was fine with me because they were making moves. They were signing free agents. They were going after new players, which is something that the Twins like don't historically do ever. Um, so it was just kind of encouraging to see some roster turnover. And then they started the season— Um, on such a ridiculous pace and have been leading the majors in home runs, which is also a thing that we never, ever do. Like, m- when I was growing up, we were nicknamed the Piranhas because we literally never hit home runs and only, like, dinked and dunked singles around. And, like, that was how we scored.
1: Yeah, except so, for the one year that Joe Maurer hit, like, 40 home runs Yeah, except for
0: the weird year that he made the home run derby and then never hit a home run again. It's such but, a weird thing. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Um, So this—I mean, the start to the season was frankly a shock. And me being a classic uh, nihilistic Minnesota sports fan, I just always kind of assumed that— they would come back to Earth. Uh, And when they didn't before the All-Star break, I really got my hopes up. And now the Indians are good again. And we are four and six in our last 10 and have exactly one starting pitcher on the roster, it seems. So things are great. I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love to host a show that feeds on nihilism of my coworkers. It's it's so great. It's great. Um, So let's talk a little bit about the trade deadline because you were very vocal about your frustration with the team not going out and doing something. Um, I, I think pretty much every fan of every team wants their team to do more at the trade deadline. I had Sean Yu on this show a couple weeks ago talking about as a Yankees fan, he expects them to go and get their guy at all times because they're the evil empire and whatnot. As a Minnesota fan, you probably don't always feel that way. But this year, it's different. You know, they're, they were in first, they're contenders, there's a team hot on their heels, and they have a chance to make the playoffs and make noise for the first time in a while. Um, So what was that move that you were frustrated that they didn't do? What is like your golden standard for what they should have done?
0: I would have loved them to go out and get a starting pitcher. Like, honestly, almost any starting pitcher would have been really nice. We started off the season with quite a few guys who were overperforming, like Jake Odorizzi was overperforming, Kyle Gibson, and they've all pretty much like fallen back to their traditional numbers, which are... Completely average, but not what you need if you're going on a playoff run or trying to be one of the best teams in baseball, which they were for the first half of the year. So I would have loved to see them go after like Cindergard, Marcus Stroman, even like I even would have taken Trevor Bauer. Like coming
1: on the show and to going after
0: two Mets pitchers. I know, I know, <laughs> it's it's really something. But like, just honestly, anyone. Instead, they went and got Sergio Romo and Sam Dyson, who are fine and. Fine relievers, but that really doesn't solve any of the Twins' starter problems. So it seems like outside of Jose Barrios' starts, we're basically handing the other team between two to five runs uh, with our starting pitching, which is not what you want.
1: Yeah, I think maybe they uh, overlearned the lesson from the AL— The a wildcard game when they just got bullpened by the Yankees yeah, and they're yes. like, maybe we should do that.
0: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> but if you're going to make it into a full playoff series, you probably need a couple starting pitchers to throw out there. Yeah. um I don't know. Can we uh can we do the Byron Buxton conversation, the Byron Buxton breakout thing really yeah. quickly? Yeah. yeah. Uh, how many cycles of this have you gone through?
0: It's been at least four full cycles. I would say this year it was like a little bit toned down because of all the off season additions, so people actually had other players to talk about. <laughs> but uh, it felt like we went through almost like a half cycle of it this year, and now he's injured again, which is great news. Do you for think? Us.
1: Do you think he's there, or is it, and and the injury is just like kind of derailing him, or are you worried that he's going to come back after having a good year so far? and have like a one war season next year. I feel
0: like, I here's my take on it, is I feel like it's similar to, I don't want to say it's similar to the Andrew Wiggins situation with the Timberwolves because
1: that feels like a curse. Let's do Timberwolves talk.
0: But I feel like it's good for him to not have to be the guy on this team anymore. Like now that Nelson Cruz is there, like Marwin Gonzalez, like now that they have these other hitters who are there straight up hitting for power and kind of taking the pressure off of him to be you know the next up and coming person he can just kind of do what he does which is extend uh you know singles into doubles and make amazing plays in the outfield and um just more work on his consistency rather than trying to be like the savior of the franchise which i feel like has been good for him so far this year and i hope that when he comes back from injury he can kind of step back into that role and just be more of a consistent presence, which is really all I've ever wanted from him. Like, the ups and downs have been exciting and kind of a roller coaster, but I would just love for him to be, like, consistently in the majors.
1: Yeah. It's something to talk yourself into at the beginning of every season, at least. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I think, uh, yeah, I think a lot of the times with prospects, we, like, talk ourselves into them being the next, like, face of the franchise, when maybe we should just talk ourselves into or like set our expectation in a way where we just expect them to be like a very good role player and then that way we don't freak out when they have like a one and a half worst setback season Mm -hmm. um okay so for the rest of the year they didn't make any moves at the trade deadline well they made a couple moves for the bullpen Mm -hmm. um and they're on a bit of a skid right now and obviously the indians are winning like 80 percent of their games
0: yeah it's not not fun it's not
1: what you want as a twins fan (laughs) um are they gonna get things back on track because you know right now they are still technically leading the division by a half game the Indians are a game and a half up in the wild card so i think they're both probably going to make the playoffs um how strongly do you feel about the fact that they need to be in the ALDS versus the AL Wild Card game. Like are you still are those wounds still open from when they've been in the Wild Card game the last couple times?
0: The wounds are are open and flowing freely. Um <laughs> sorry for the graphic image.
1: Baseball fandom, the wounds are open and flowing freely. <laughs> That's
0: basically what what it is. Um I would love I think making the ALDS is very important, although I will say having Rios available for the wild card is really big, and with their offensive outpouring this season, I'm like less concerned about a wild card performance or appearance than I was a couple of years ago um I would advocate for whichever route gives them less of an opportunity to face the Yankees in the playoffs. <laughs> um, I would imagine that if they do make the playoffs uh, or when they do make the playoffs, they will face them probably at some point. And we do not have a great historical track record facing uh, that particular New York team in Is the postseason. Is that post boogeyman
1: for you? The yeah, Yankees? I mean,
0: growing up, I think they knocked us out. I would have to look up exactly how many times, but I think it was at least four. And it was always in the ALDS. Mm-hmm. So... I have a lot of terrible memories of, like, my favorite Joe Maurer-led teams being throttled by the Yankees and, you know, getting swept. Uh, so, yeah, I I would say I think I'm less concerned about them getting the wild card. I would love to th- for them to have the confidence boost of getting that ALDS spot, though. I think that would be huge for them.
1: Yeah. Well... Here's to hoping that some of the power hitters can get back in the lineup, less injuries. I know Nelson Cruz is on the DL or aisle right now. Mm-hmm. I only know this because he's on my fantasy team. It's <laughs> very hard to Tragic. follow. Tragic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I want to wrap up one last question. So, is there a is there bad blood between the Indians fans and the Twins fans? Is that a thing?
0: I don't think so. I think in the Central, the Twins' historical rivals have more been the White Sox okay. with the whole A.J. Prezinski yeah. back and forth. And, He's everyone's rival. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> who doesn't hate A.J. Pruszynski? Um And uh, their sort of historical fight for the league lead or the division lead. Um, the Twins, just frankly, I don't think have been good enough recently for them to have matched up with where the Indians yeah. are. Uh, but I could see it being a fight. I mean, the series that they played this week was uh, seemed very contentious so who knows maybe that's a thing going forward
1: all right well we'll have to look out for that Meg thank you for doing this and good luck to you for the rest of the season
0: thank you we need it